For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Bearcat Blitz rolling into another episode right here, wherever you're catching the show, whether it's on YouTube, my YouTube page, Talking Cats with Russ Heltman on Bally Sports Ohio. Big shout out to Bally, made our debut there and continuing there each and every week before the Bearcats games on Saturdays. I'm your host, Russ Heltman, joined by my co-host, former UC wide receiver, Dominic Goodman. We have a lot to get to today. Let's dive right into it. Obviously, the big thing on deck is the pit matchup, Dominic, but we got a couple things to touch on before we dive into that preview. We'll hit that mostly in the back half of the show, but Jawan Briggs, start things off for us here, did not actually record a uh, a stat in the game against, uh, against Eastern Kentucky this past weekend, but still makes the PFF team of the week he was strong in setting the point of attack there for the defensive line strong in setting the edge as a defensive end and what's a big part of keeping that rushing attack at bay and keeping parker mckinney in the pocket throughout the entire game i think this is another great aspect of the pff era dominic where it's not just the flashy guys that get some well-deserved love it's the big fellas up front and on both sides of the football where for example, an offensive lineman, you now have a grade and a, some kind of stat to be able to attribute their play to. And same on the defensive line, even when a guy like Javon Briggs doesn't record any traditional statistics in the game. Yeah, you know, it just shows uh, how valuable those players are to um, to a system. Um, with Briggs just doing those things that open up for the linebackers and everybody else to come make plays, and that's what the defense did and they showed. So, I mean, that's a great thing and a great recognition to have. Yeah, Jawan Briggs, obviously a six-year player, I think six-year or fifth-year player, uh, a guy that's that's really reshaped his body in this game or in this in this offseason, I should say, and comes into the season had a 77.4 PFF grade in 2022 and still only notched a, a – 62.4 overall defensive grade, but was able to get into that PFF defensive team of the week. Had two total pressures in the game and two quarterback hurries in the Bearcats' 66 to 13 victory over Pitt. Dominic, as we get into a, a couple more things here, Emory Jones named Big 12 Offensive Player and Newcomer of the Week. A really, really great achievement for Emory. First game, he said uh, in his media availability that it was the most fun he's had in a football game since the Sanford game, I believe, back in 2021 when he was still playing for 
Florida. So the biggest goal for Emory coming into this season, he said, was to just play loose, play free, have fun in the sport of college football again. He started that train on the on the right tracks, to say the least, against Eastern Kentucky. Yeah, you know, it's always good, you know, uh, especially when you're coming from another school, entering a new school and with a new team and, you know, a lot of nerves is going. But um, it's good that um, it's good that he got player of the week this week. He earned it. Uh, builds up the confidence going into this pit week. And um, he just continue on that same stride, continue on that preparation he's on. And uh, and the future is big, big for him. So a lot of stuff going on in the Bearcats ranks. Was that practice yesterday? I thought team looked solid. They're moving along well. Everybody's moving well. I was I was joking with uh, running back Corey Kiner, talking to him after practice. We were discussing the heat, and I was like, yeah, man, knock on wood, but hopefully this is the last, last time I got to worry about interviewing you and worrying about my phone overheating on the field as we uh, as we get mid interview. That happened to me a couple of weeks ago, Dominic. Like I think I was talking to Coach Stewart, defensive in, defensive line coach, and this my phone just it just it came up with that like red or yellow caution sign and said not not working anymore. Please move your phone to a to a cooler spot. So hopefully last time the fellas have to really exhaust themselves in that heat. We're getting a little bit of a break from it, and it's starting to feel like football season. It's finally here. It's fully in full swing and the bye game is done, Dominic. This is what I kind of want to touch on before we dive into uh, the spread and the way that it's moving against the Bearcats this week is the fact that you're now in full swing, you're now in motion in the season, and you now have, I think, a, a game of tape for Pittsburgh to really be able to chew into. Do you think, Dominic, the fact that they did put up all of those different formations. They put all of those players on the field. I believe 79 Bearcats touched the field for a snap of football in the game against Eastern Kentucky. So do you think it's a it's more advantageous for Pitt that they were able to see what the Bearcats might potentially look like on tape after one game? Or do you feel like it wouldn't have made that much of a difference if they had played in week one versus now playing them in week two? I don't think it don't really make a difference, you know. Um, you still got to go out there because um, the way you the way you go ahead and look at a um, with your offense, you throw all your formations out there, you throw all your concepts out there, because that's that's what you prep for for that week, what you feel was best for against that uh, EK defense. Now you come to pit. Now you tailor your formations and your concepts to the pit defense because pit probably runs a different defense. So it's just really just tailoring to who you're going against and coming up with a game plan and uh, and running with that game plan. So it just determines each week. So if they play them in week two, they probably do a uh, – if they play them in like another week or something like that, they'll just adjust and change a little bit of detail. But it's not too much of a difference, not too much of a big of a deal. Obviously got a big one this weekend, and we'll see how much of an impact that first game kind of aids the Pittsburgh Panthers with in terms of just some maybe some tendencies out of the offensive line with that wide zone run scheme, some ways that they can maybe take advantage of that, and some ways that both of these teams can try to get the 2-0 and on the season, and I believe 2-0 and against the spread as Pitt made easy work of Wofford 45 to seven in week one. And Cincinnati was a 21 and a half point favorite and nearly doubled that spread winning margin in a 43 point victory. They did double. They literally doubled it in a 43 point victory against Eastern Kentucky. So Cincinnati 
started off plus seven on the spread in this game, Dominic, and now it's moved to plus eight. People gravitating towards the Pitt Panthers, your 28th ranked team in ESPN's football power index to Cincinnati's 31st ranking. And funny enough, the Athletic came out with their uh, full-on FBS ranking of every single school in the football bowl subdivision and had Cincinnati same spot as they did entering week one, 67th overall among all of the teams. I believe Pitt was, I'm actually not quite sure where Pitt was on that ranking, but they were higher than 67th. I know that eight points, Dominic, they've moved the line off of that key number of seven, obviously in football games, a seven point spread, very important number there. If you have it at six and a half, it's a lot easier to hit that on the on the favorite. And if you have it at seven and a half, it's easier to hit it on the underdog because you can get a 28-21 finish, a 35-28. Everybody knows how it works. A lot of times those football scores end in seven-point intervals. Interesting that this line to me, Dominic, has moved against the Bearcats despite arguably, now it's tough to really gauge this against two FCS schools and their first game opponents, but I would say the Bearcats' performance, especially when you look at what Emory Jones did and his seven touchdowns compared to just, I think it was right around 220 total yards and one score out of Phil Jerkovich, the quarterback for the Pitt Panthers. Cincinnati losing steam on the spread despite outplaying, arguably, the Pitt Panthers in game one. I think that's very interesting. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I think it's interesting. Um, it's just going to be one of those games where – it can go either way, you know. Both teams, um, Pitt's known for running the ball, um, that power running style. Um, you see, uh, you see what they can do. They build it off the run for the play, for the play action, for the deep ball. So I feel like this game can go either way. It's going to be a hard fought game, and and I just think it's interesting that people kind of lean more to Pitt when uh, I feel like you see is known for. Um, Beating, beating those rating teams and beating those teams that people think is going to beat them. So um, I just can't wait to the game. It's going to be a lot of fun for sure. And getting into that pit preview just a little bit, we'll save some of the uh, the, the the records and the, the history for after the break. But Pat Narduzzi talked about this roster, this Bearcats roster during his press conference on uh, earlier this week. And he said the Bearcats wide receiver room, Dominic, was the strength of this team. Now, I know the Bearcats wide receiver room has definitely glowed up, for a lack of a better term, in the last six to seven months. But the strength of the team, I take I take qualms with that because that front seven is specifically that whatever trio you roll out there and the front front of that defense, that to me is still the strength of this team. And I think despite the historic day from Xavier Henderson, the career day he had, number one ranked power five wide receiver among all schools and players that played at least 20 snaps at the position. He had the number one PFF grade among all receivers. Despite all that, I still think the defensive line is what drove a lot of this victory and was a big reason why they only gave up one touchdown on the day in the, in the 13 points allowed. And, and uh, Scott Satterfield kind of hammered that home when he said that on the touchdown drive, it was pretty noticeable that at the second level of the defense, the linebackers were miscommunicated a little bit. They weren't quite in the right spots. And that's why Parker McKinney was able to hit those layered throws over the middle of the field to kind of drive that touchdown uh, route into the end zone on that play on that play sequence. But overall, I still think the defensive line is the strength of this team, despite the fast start from the wide receiver core. 
Yeah. Um, it's 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 kinda it's kinda weird, you know, um when you say like just strictly the receiver's the best um best um strength of the team and we know the D line's real good, um, got guys coming back and guys is stepping up. But it's just one of those things where offense scores points, so you gotta worry about that. And and they see the receivers making up big plays, that, that makes a defensive coordinator uh, makes defensive coordinator scared, you know. I makes him worry a little bit. Um, but to me, I feel like where the real strength is is on that O line because it starts in the trenches. Um, hmm. O line, you was with Connor, he was able to rush. He's rushing over 100. Uh, they basically rushed what over 200 in that game. Um, yeah, right around. 20. And when you do that, that just opens it up for what you've seen a lot of play action deep throws. So I I feel personally it's it's the front, it's the uh, guys in the trenches. It's going to make and break this game. I like it. How long – How real quick before we get to the break, Dominic, how how many weeks do you think it will take of great wide receiver performances before you, you and I start saying that that is the strength of the team with all the talent they brought in? I say once they start getting the conference play, um, okay. once they start getting the conference play and we go from there, you know, because – because by that time, conference play, they done seen four or five games and, and got four or five tapes to, to really study and hammer at home. thousand percent as they travel to face the Pitt Panthers this weekend, a team that had high marks from PFF after their week one victory and a team that is fittingly very good against the run, Dominic, an aspect of the game that you just highlighted being the skeleton key for the Bearcats in that week one win and a skeleton key for Scott Satterfield led teams throughout his entire career. Touching on all that in just a moment right here on Bearcat Blitz. Stick with us as we preview the matchup against former UC defensive coordinator turned pit head coach Pat Narduzzi's crew, one of the top 30 teams in the entire country. And the first time the Bearcats have been underdogs of seven or more since the college football playoff. Bearcat Blitz rolling along wherever you're catching our show slash podcast. It's all different types of things in this age of multimedia and sports content. I'm your host, Russ Helton. You're all Bearcats reporter. Catch us on allbearcats.com for all the coverage there of UC football and basketball. Plus, joined by my co-host on the other side of the screen there, Dominic Goodman, former UC wide receiver, turns high school offense coordinator. How did how we do this weekend, Dominic, over at Talawanda? Oh man, we um, it was we we just uh, we took a loss, you know. Uh, tough one, yeah, tough one. It's just one of them things. Is defensively we we did well, uh, made stops when we needed. Just offensively, it's just it's a new offense and just trying to get a, a execution. You know, it's all about execution. But I think this week we um, really got a good game plan. Really been hammering stuff home to the kids. So I think. This week is a good week for us against Edgewood, and we should come out and uh, make some plays. And I feel like we can come up with a with a dub. Excited to see it. Excited to see the see the path the rest of the way. We'll keep checking in on that with Dominic, the uh, the coach extraordinaire on the other side of the screen from me. Speaking speaking of coaching extraordinaires, Scott Satterfield, Pat Narduzzi. Pat Narduzzi got an entrenched culture and entrenched status there at Pitt has led them to 
multiple ACC championship game appearances, won the ACC a couple years ago with Kenny Pitt at the helm, was driven by a strong, strong defensive line and defense overall last year. That looks like it's basically continuing on in 2023. Very interested to see how UC goes from the worst defense that they will play on this entire slate in 2023 to arguably, I would say, Dominic, one of the three or four best defenses they're going to face on this schedule, especially when you look at the pass coverage ability of Marquise Williams and the rest of that secondary. I mean, the dude's a veteran. He's such a veteran that Scott Satterfield noted one of the interceptions he had against Louisville a couple of years back in 2023 20, years ago, three seasons ago. This guy was making plays, still out here making plays. MJ Devonshire, Marquise Williams, that's where this matchup starts for me when UC has the ball and Pitt is on defense. Can UC's new look wide receivers continue this strong momentum, continue this strong showing in the beginning of the season? I think that's largely going to define the game for me. If they can't get open, then that pit defensive front is going to be able to lock up those rush lanes, lock up that running game, and really force Cincinnati to come up for air, come up for some different answers, come up with some different game plans because it all comes down to me to whether or not MJ Devonshire and Marquise Williams can be taken advantage of enough to keep everything honest, keep the entire ground game and the passing game in kind of a yin-yang synchronicity. Yeah, um, definitely. It's going to be, it's going to be difficult, but at the same time, when you, when we talk about receiver strength, this is one of the games we kind of can see what the receivers do. Um, especially when you got a team that's going to bring the pressure. If Narduzzi's the way he was back when he was D coordinator with uh, at UC, he's going to bring the pressure and play a lot of man. So it's going to be really important that um, the receivers can get open on the on third downs and third and shorts and uh, making plays in the air when it's come down to it. Um, the run game still, as long as they stay positive, positive yards, um, staying with four, four, yards, four yards a pop, uh, I think they'd be fine. Just it goes back to like you said, the receivers gonna have to make plays uh, when it comes down to it in that man-to-man coverage. And if they can't do that, it's gonna be be one of the long days. We look at Pittsburgh and this defense. Obviously, played Wofford this past weekend, so these ratings are gonna be a little inflated. But top billing goes to the run defense, eighty-seven overall grade this past weekend, seventy-seven point nine overall as a unit tackling. Wasn't very strong, Dominic. 62.7 tackling grade. So maybe UC can take advantage of some butterfingers out in the middle of the open field. You got those guys that have a run after the catch ability and Braden Smith and, uh, and and Corey Kiner. If he's catching passes out of the backfield, Xavier Henderson, we saw him make some plays after the football was caught last week. So that's an interesting thing to keep track of there. They don't get after, they didn't get after the quarterback at least very well in 2020. Uh, three to open the season, uh, ending up with a 66.0 grade there. But coverage-wise, strong. 79.4, the best overall rating behind that run defense stat of 87 overall. So when Pitt has their defense out there, I think MJ Devonsire, Marquise Williams, and a guy by the name of Bengali Kamara, their linebacker, veteran linebacker, a, a name to watch. 49 tackles last year, three for loss, one sack one interception and seven pass breakups. I think he's a guy that's going to be able to impact the game in coverage, going to be able to maybe add some more headaches for the Bearcats in the middle of the field when they're trying to target those tight ends and running backs on these shorter routes. So he's a name to watch there. 
Flipping it to the defensive side of the ball here, Dominic, as we kind of close things up on this Bearcat Blitz. Number one thing for me is if UC could get the Phil Jerkovich, then I think they have a really good shot of winning this football game. Can you get a little bit more pressure and maybe a little bit more disruptive play sack type of things happening in the backfield? Obviously, they forced a couple fumbles. One of those was a strip sack. That's exactly what you got to do in this game against Pitt, except I think maybe hike up the pressure rate and hike up the intensity a little bit more in terms of collapsing that pocket on the inside. But if you can get the Phil Jerkovich, who is not very athletic, and I would say when he's not on his spot, able to hit his marks on time, nowhere near close to a top 30, top 40 quarterback in the country, then you can really start to stymie this this offense and put them in a tough spot. And to do that, you're going to have to get to Phil Jerkovich and shut down a guy like Bub Means, uh, transfer from Pitt Panthers. What a name on this guy, Bub Means. I mean, that's just he's, he's something to look out for right there with that name. Four catches for 84 yards to close his 2022 season. Wasn't too noticeable in game one, two catches for 39 yards, but he's an important part of the offense. And he's a part of the offense that the Bearcats are going to have to keep an eye on throughout this contest. Going to be very interesting to see how UC's defensive front and that secondary for the large, for the most part, which played very well in week one, follows up their performance on the road. Yeah, you know, if they, if they can get after the quarterback, um, that's going to be great. It stops. It makes them one-dimensional where they just have to run the ball. And like I said, they like their strength is – they defensive line and they defensive line showed it, especially with the um, with the with, um, with the nose. What's my guy? from Cole Rain? Dante um, Corleone. Dante Corleone. Corleone um, bringing that pressure, slanting different ways, but getting the linebackers in the um, tackling lanes, and then you got Eric Phillips um, also too playing well, playing good football. Um, it, it really it really helps a lot for the linebackers and the secondary because you can put the pressure on them. That just allows interceptions. Um, that allows um, batted balls and allows for a lot of mistakes by the quarterback. So if they can get after the quarterback and, and, and stop the run and make them one-dimensional, I think, I think UC will win this game um, by a landslide. But it's just some things you got to do to execute um, to make, make, that, make that happen. Last five matchups, UC has been victorious in four of them. Four and one record in the last five, although Pittsburgh leads the all-time 12-meeting series eight to four overall. These two teams have not faced off since 2012, and Dominic was used to seeing them every single year when he was a Bearcat during the River City rivalry. Unbelievable, Dominic, that they got rid of the trophy. There's no trophy anymore for the River City rivalry with the old steam steamship engine kind of. I think that's what that was. It was like a it was like a throttle yeah. on a steamship engine. They got rid of it. That's so dumb. I hate that's the that's like the worst part about all these different conference realignment, all the changes is all the old rivalries that kind of get thrown out the window. But you see with a chance to get the eight and five in the all time series history after the last meeting, which they took out pit 34 to 10. Very, very fun matchup on deck. Can't wait for it. My prediction, I'm going to roll with my first half season-long predictions article. I'm going to go with Pitt 24-21 and a slight defensive brawl. I think the quarterbacks get put under pressure a little bit too much more than they're comfortable with, and the Bearcats ultimately fall in this one. What do you think, Dominic? 
I got UC. Um, I got UC 28 24. 28 24. All right. I like it. I like it. I'm Russ Eltman. He's Dominic Goodman. This has been Bearcat Blitz. So great to be with you all this week and every single week, twice on your calendar there. We'll be back on Monday recapping the pit matchup. See if the Bearcats get the 2-0 on the season and stay undefeated in the Scott Satterfield era. Enjoy the game, everybody, and make sure to check out all the great other shows on the Believe Network.